Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Steady Wealth Podcast. We are going to talk about the importance of having yield in your portfolio and specifically some ways in which one can do this, some ways in which one can do it, but probably should avoid. And also, and this is really important, the reality to, of understanding that there are different ways to generate yield in different market environments. And so we're looking at the market here today as I'm recording this here in on October, early October. And we're looking at markets uh, down, S&P down, looks like almost 25% for the year. I'm looking at the NASDAQ 100 here on, uh, on my terminal. Looks like that thing is down about 33%. And uh, pretty much across the board, things look pretty ugly. And what I have noticed over the past, I'm going to say over the past not even the past two weeks, like the past week and a half, no, maybe two weeks now at this point, I have noticed and heard from a lot more people that are reaching out to us, and this is individuals that are reaching out to us on the investment management side at uh, Blue Marlin Advisors, which is our registered investment advisory firm where we manage uh, portfolios for people. And we've had a lot more people reach out to us. These are not existing clients, new people. And they're saying, Serge, guys, we're scared. And I would like to know what to do. Can you help me? This is not something that I heard even, as I said, two weeks ago. So something over the past couple of weeks has dramatically shifted. Now, there's two ways of looking at this. On the good side of it is Finally, people are waking up. That's good. Also, what's good is that usually when the individual investor wakes up and kind of gets close to, to, to really being concerned and ultimately even capitulate, the sooner that happens, the sooner the market can actually bottom. Of course, it's also tragic because a lot of people are losing plenty of money in the markets this year. Now, having said that, they've made a lot of money over the past 10, 12 years. So let's put that into perspective. But as a result of what of all these inquiries and looking at these people's portfolios, what I'm noticing is a very concerning trend. Now, this is not surprising. We all know this, but it's a whole nother thing when you actually see it. And that is the following. People's portfolios are largely made up of non-yielding assets right now. And this is, and I, and I should probably clarify this some more. This is largely right now, the, the sample that I'm looking at, the demographics here is usually people somewhere on the low end, 45 years old on the high end, obviously, you know, kind of goes, goes to, goes to, to, to well, deep, deep, deep into retirement age, uh, maybe 75 or some of the oldest uh, uh, clients or prospects that have written to us over the past couple of weeks. 
And what I'm noticing that these people have almost no yield in their portfolio, which is scary. Not only do they not hold bonds, which one could argue was not as such a bad idea this year, uh, but they're getting super attractive. That's a whole other thing. In fact, I need to make a note here to talk about that as well. But also, the equities they hold are basically all growth. There are some portfolios, some portfolios where we've had a couple of industrial stocks, some you know Honeywell and that kind of stuff, 3M. But for the most part, most people are essentially in growth stocks. Now, aside from the fact that that is not where you want to be in this economic environment, it is a problem for a lot of people that are looking for yield in their portfolio now more than ever. So it doesn't matter whether you know you're 45 or 75. Looking for some yield in the portfolio, having yield in a portfolio is important. And we're coming out of this, or we a year ago, we came out of a strong, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 year bull market, depending on how you want to measure it. Let's call it 13 years, where it really didn't make much sense to hold to hold um uh to, to hold dividend-seeking instruments, although I would actually, I'm gonna give you a stat on that in a minute, or at least that's not what the headline made you seem. Uh, made it seem like what will be attractive. And so now that the markets are correcting this year, notably, again, we said NASDAQ down 33, uh, S&P is down 24, 25, bonds have crashed. People are noticing that they're not making money anywhere. And so one of the little known statistics is that if you look at utility stocks, one can look at utility stocks using the XLU ETF. The XLU ETF is this utilities select sector spider fund. Again, the ticker symbol is XLU. You can type that into your broker uh, or chart um, chart software and bring that up, which by the way, and this is not to give, give away too much up front here, but that, that thing right now is yielding roughly about 3.2%. 3.2%. Now that's less than a two-year risk-free treasury note, which is ironic. They're yielding currently four and a half plus percent, depending on when, when you look at it here. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the point is, the long-term statistic is clear. The total return, total return means price appreciation plus dividends of utility stocks as a basket has held with the performance of the S&P 500 over a, I think it's a 20-year look back. Think about that. So you can take the S&P, which essentially has turned into a technology, uh, um, a technology index, if you're, really, if you're honest about it, and you can take that S&P and instead of having bought the S&P, which carries a lot more risk, one could have bought the XLU and made done just as well. Literally, you could have bought one ETF or a basket of utility stocks if you don't want to buy an ETF and had the same return, sleeping like a baby. Of course, everything carries risk, so we'll get to that here in a minute. So what I'm noticing is a lot of people are just now, you know, noticing that their portfolio has no risk. I am shocked, to be honest with you, how little fixed income bond exposure a lot of these individual investors have that just came that again, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the, the people that just came to us over the past couple of weeks with inquiries. Um, it really is quite shocking. And over on the steady trader side here, where we do the, the research, uh, the, the trade alerts and the investment and trading uh, analysis and all that kind of stuff, I, I would argue it's probably even lower. And that's because everyone's been chasing growth and the market environment has changed. I've been, as I've been saying here in this podcast for the past number of weeks, uh, since we launched it, the, 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 the re reality of that we are 
in a different market environment has not really yet set in with enough people. We are still having to see some people unfortunately capitulate and we're, we're getting closer and um, that need for yield will become more and more important. If if our base case is correct, and this and this this here what I'm about to say is our base case, is that the S and P 500 is going to largely give us at low single digit returns on an annualized basis for the next five to ten years. Let me repeat that. So our base case is that the S and P 500. It's going to give us low single digit returns over the next five to 10 years. If you compare that to the last 12, 13 years where the S&P returned uh, about uh, 15% per year, that was about 5% above the long-term, like 90, 95 year average. So if you look back on the 90 year look back, let's say the S&P 500 has historically returned about 10% per year. Having returned 15% over the past 10, 12 years has basically brought forward lots of return, meaning we've borrowed returns from the future. So we are going to have to mean revert and undershoot that to stay within that 10% return if that is, is indeed what's going to happen. But all of this basically speaks for the need of return. What if I were to tell you, and this is not any specific person, individual listening to you, but anyone in general, what if I could tell you, and I'm going to quickly type, bring this up in my Bloomberg here on the other screen. I know you guys can see the screen, but um, just so I have a reference point. What if I could tell you that right now you could get risk-free, if we assume that the US Treasury uh, note is risk-free, about 4.2% uh, on a two-year note. So, Risk-free, which by the way, we now have nominal yields actually positive, meaning, excuse me, real yields are actually positive. So yields subtracting from those inflation expectations are actually positive now. So this is really, really attractive. And this gets me to some of the ways in which one can build in a yield into a portfolio. Not only is it really important to have yield in a portfolio, not just growth, because growth can stop working for a years at some point. Like right now, it hasn't worked for a year and a half as I'm recording. It's like a year, year and three quarters almost. And it's probably going to not work for another while. So instead of having no money, uh, no no income in, in a portfolio and just seeing it go down every day, which is extremely frustrating and mentally taxing, why not have some yield? Now, the first step that I always suggest people uh, consider is when you look at your portfolio, is it messy or is it nicely structured? What does that mean? Well, if you have a a just random basket, and, and, and I use the word basket here loosely because usually it's just a, a random mess of individual stocks that you liked at some point because you might, you heard nice things, your neighbor told you, you did some research, you read a research report, and you liked it because it's got some great, great potential, um, and you have basically 20, 30, 40 of those stocks and nothing else, that's not really a portfolio, particularly if you are within 10 years of retirement, in retirement, or deep well into retirement. That's not a portfolio. That is a highly speculative, and I'm not going to call it a trading account because some people may just hold that stuff forever, highly speculative portfolio. And again, it's, it's, I understand that a lot of people are having a hard time right now understanding that we're in a different market environment. We've been 
We've been talking about this different market environment now for a year and a quarter. And I warned people in the spring of 2021, said, listen, it, it, the market environment is changing. Literally, no one wanted to listen. We were actually called, uh, I was actually called the guy, the guy looking at the glass half empty. Now, things are changing, have been changing all year. And even so now, not until just a couple of weeks ago, have I seen more people care. Most people are still, and, and I don't mean this word derogatory, into that derogatory, but most people are still ignorant, ignorant about the fact of what's going on. So look at your portfolio. Look at it and see if it is a mess. Is it just a bunch of growth stocks that you've liked and read about and think they're going to go to the moon? And they may at some point, but that may not happen for another years from now. And if you're, again, it doesn't matter whether you're 45, 50, 65, 75, there needs to be a plan in your portfolio. Having a well-structured portfolio means having some balance. We could call this diversification, although I think the word diversification here tends to be used a bit in the wrong way because with income-focused stuff, one can also diversify and but also diversify, W-O-R-S-E, if it's not done right. So that's the first thing. Make sure you have a balanced portfolio. And we can talk about this much more. You can also, you can also, if you if you want more information on that, you can always reach out to us, support at the studytheater.com from a research perspective. Or if you literally want us to look at your portfolio, you can you can also um, email us or go to bluemarlinadvisor.com, bluemarlinadvisor.com, and just uh, contact us there and we can talk you talk to you there through the lens of um, an actual uh, investment advisor. Like we have the series 65, you know, we're fully registered. Everything's extremely uh, regulated to the teeth, which is what one would want. But again, make sure the portfolio is, 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 is balanced. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? And now we're going to get into some of the things in which I think makes a lot of sense, how to generate yield and how some things that don't make much sense. So what does balanced mean versus diversified? Well, if you talk to a lot of people, they say, well, I have some tech stocks, um, I have some industrial stocks, and I have some utility stocks, um, some financials, I'm diversified, diversified. I don't think that's diversification. I think that's diversification, W-O-R-S-E. Why? Here's the thing. Now, utility stocks, and I do want to talk about utilities. I think there's a, a, a real, a really good a, a opportunity here for a multi, multi-year lens, from a multi-year lens. But utility stocks are still stocks. Just like, have you guys ever heard of something called dividend aristocrats? Right, like so, dividend aristocrats are stocks. Usually, they're large cap stocks, companies that have raised their dividend for. I think usually it's about ten years straight. Maybe it may even be more. And don't quote me on this because different ETFs carry this differently. But like one of the ETFs for that is N-O-B-L, N as in Nicole, O-B-L, like Larry, N-O-B-L. It's the S&P Dividend Aristocrats ETF. It's one of the, it's a part of the ProShares family. And this is interesting. So the NOBL ETF is one that has a lot of individual, again, these dividend aristocrats, but and I'll give you some stats around this in a minute, but just keep in mind, they are still stocks. So I think this is a good way to diversify, diversify with a V, having some dividend aristocrats and even utilities, but understand that they are still stocks. What does that mean? 
a stock is still going to be volatile if the broader market has to de-risk. So think about it this way. If you're a portfolio manager and you are having to take down risk, sell stocks because the market's volatile, because you're seeing withdrawals, uh, redemptions in your fund, what are you going to do? Well, you have to bring down net exposure on your fund, which means you are going to sell not, not only just the growth stuff, but also other stuff just to have liquidity. And that means you're going to sell some stocks across the board. That is going to mean that you will also sell some, some utility stocks and also sell some dividend or credit stocks. So because they are stocks as an asset class, a stock, a stock is not a stock is not a stock, but a stock will act as another stock if it comes to real de-risking situations like we are seeing this year. Utility stocks, as I'm recording here right now, as I'm looking at this right now, I'm going to quickly bring it up. But utilities, the XLU ETF, which I do think is good long-term, and I want to talk about it more in a minute, is right now, I'm looking at performance here, just give me one second, is from a year-to-date perspective, down 8 and 8.5%, quarter-to-date, like quarter-to-date, which just finished here, we just finished a quarter in, in the September, down 7% or 6.6. So basically, it all happened in one quarter. This whole drawdown this year in, in this. So th- and this is a big, this is a big deal to understand. Now you, you're still going to get a yield. Again, the XLU ETF throws off a dividend of 3.2%, which is better than your favorite non-profitable tech stock, which may have, you know, grow to grow to the moon potential to grow at some point, but it throws off zero return. Right. So let's say your portfolio is down uh, 10% year to date. A lot of people's portfolios down are now down 15, 20%, but if it's all in growth stocks and you have a zero yield, you're down 15, 20. If you have some yield and there's a lot of ways of getting four, five, six, seven percent yield right now, you're down 16, 15%. That's a huge deal. And guess what? Those dividends can be reinvested. So you kind of dollar cost averaging as well. So again, having yield in a portfolio is crucially important. And again, if you want us to look at your portfolio, we're happy to do that Blue Marlin Advisors. You go to Blue Marlin Advisor, Blue Marlin advisor.com and you contact us there. Or if you just from a research perspective, go to the steadychater.com where we talk about this every day to, to through our research lens, right? So this is important. Now, um, let's talk a little bit more about utilities. And then I want to talk about options as well, because a lot of people have this um, idea that you can just sell covered calls for the rest of your life on stocks and that's going to get you done. Unfortunately, it won't. And I'll tell you why. It just depends on the market environment. So let's let's talk about utilities for a minute. So utility stocks, as I said before, have this wonderful performance versus the S&P 500, basically equal performance over the long term. So that means if, as I said before, if one would have bought the S&P 500, let's say 20 years ago, and, and I don't know if it's exactly 20, it could have been 15 or 25. I don't know what the, the stat was that I, that I looked at last week um, and, and, and bought the S&P and, and bought the XLU ETF, the total return, meaning the return from, from actual capital price appreciation in the XLU and uh, dividend uh, yield was actually equal to the S&P. Think about that. Despite all the growth stocks in the S&P, and again, the S&P's turned into a technology stock, okay? So that's one thing. So utilities are great, but also keep in mind that utilities are stocks. So they should not be confused with some sort of a safe haven where those won't go down. Again, utilities just crashed 6.6% in the third quarter. 
heading into the fourth quarter here, October, November, December. We'll see how that shake, shapes up, uh, shakes out for the rest of the year. That's an important bit. The other thing about utilities, and this is a really big deal though, and this is sort of a bullish case for utilities. Think about the world we live in right now. We live in a world right now where everything is electric and everything is, well, not everything is, but everything is going electric. Like there's really almost nothing else, nothing that's not electric anymore that, or at least not wanting to electric. Like, for example, think if you had, you had phones, like up until literally, I think July, my headphones on my iPhone had a wire attached to them, meaning they were plugged into the phone using the phone's power. Now they're wireless. So I have this little pod case where you, where the, where you put them and you charge them. And that, of course, that case itself has to be charged, right? Electric. Think about like, if I go like, if I want to go from in, in, in the city here, when if I want to go to from point A from, from point A to point B, you know, I'm either going to use public transportation, some sort of a subway or an overground transportation, which is usually electric, or, I mean, I could take my, my physical bike, of course, or I take these little electric scooters, right? Like it's like a little, little, a little, yeah, like a scooter, but it's electric. Like Uber has them and uh, yeah, what are they, what's it called? Um, green or yellow, whatever, whatever it's called. Anyways, a whole bunch of companies have these things now, but they're electric. Of course, cars, we all know that's all electric. You know, again, and even if you think about our phones, our phones used to not be electric. I guess this is a long time ago now. This compares to many, 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 many years ago. We have rotary phones and others, but they were just plugged into the, into the wall. I mean, they were plugged into the wall, but they were not electric in terms of how, how much we used. Like they were not using as much electricity as we're using now for phones. So everything's electric. I mean, and you guys know where I'm kind of going here. So electricity is important. What do utilities do? Among other things, they generate electricity. So I think there's great potential here to buy the XLU ETF, understanding their stocks and that they're not a complete, that they're not a, a, the best diversification, but there are a way to generate yield in your portfolio and longer term from this point forward here, I think also great growth um, again, because of all the electricity we have going forward. So that's, that's important. Now, for a few more minutes here, I want to spend a little bit of time on options. One of the things that I keep hearing from people about is, hey, listen, you, you know, my secret, and it's been my secret for 10 years, is I just, I just buy a stock and then I'm just, I just sell calls against it. So I'm selling a little bit of insurance against it. So I, I then get to keep the stock and get a yield. That's not a bad idea strategy. The problem is that strategy can get you, can get you and I'm trying to find a word that is not vulgar, uh, that kind of strategy can blow you up. <laughs> let's put it that way. Now, let, let me, let's, let's put it, let, let's think about this. So let's say you use a stock that is worth hundred dollars, maybe you bought it at 90 and you're going to sell a call against that. And you receive, let's say, let's say you receive $2 in premium. Okay. So now you are essentially protected with that stock at hundred bucks down to $98. That's 2%, right? That is hardly a hedge. All you're doing is generating a two percent yield, and it could maybe it could it could be more. Maybe maybe the dividend was four. The the you received four dollars, meaning you have a four percent yield by selling the option. Let's let's go with four percent, right? Just to be a bit greedier. So now you have a four percent buffer. If the stock goes below ninety six, you are now going to take capital loss, and every penny the stock goes lower. You might get to keep those four bucks that you used to sell the option, but that's it. So you are essentially 
buying a little bit of insurance, like let's say a hurricane, let's say you live in Florida and you have, or in other states that are exposed to hurricanes, you buy hurricane insurance. That's equivalent to saying I'm buying hurricane insurance only on my garage, but the rest of the house is not insured or, or whatever. Did, you know, pick your favorite part of the house that you've invested that you're, that's it. And a lot of people forget that. So selling covered calls is very much a low volatility strategy. I'm, I'm going to make it a bit simpler and say it's a bull market strategy, which is not necessarily just true. It's more a lower volatility strategy. But when volatility market blows up, you are going to have to, you might get more credit for the dividends, the, the excuse me, the, um, the options you sell, but it still does not compensate for the volatility in the market for the most part. So, and this is a bit more technical now, so if, and this is not your, your cup of tea, just ignore what I'm about to say for the next uh, sentence. But essentially, the payoff diagram, if you use options, you know what a payoff di- diagram, it looks like a hockey stick diagram. The payoff diagram is essentially that of a naked put. Meaning, again, you are receiving a little bit of premium for insuring only parts of the whole. You're not insuring the whole stock. It's not like buying a put. Now, when you buy a put, you might risk the whole premium. You might lose that premium, but you're protecting essentially your whole holding, which is a whole different story, right? That, that is actual protection. A covered call is not protection. Now, of course, it, it depends what kind of stock, what kind of ETF you do a covered call on, of course. But again, we are talking about largely not so much diversification there as we are, um, as, sorry, not so much balancing of a portfolio as we are trying to, to diversify, but really what we are doing is diversifying, right? So, 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 so those are some of the ways. And I specifically wanted to talk about utilities. I wanted to talk about dividend aristocrats, and I want to talk about covered call because those are the most talked about ways of doing it. But just keep in mind, stocks are volatile as an asset class. And you want to make sure to, if you are diversifying with a V within stocks, even if that means you're buying utilities or doing covered call, you are still doing it in stocks, right? So that's important. Now, the fixed income market, the bond market, I'm going to specifically refer to the US treasury market here today, but you can talk about this in European bonds and pretty much everywhere else as well, are really taking it uh, on the chin this year. Like, I mean, that's actually putting it lightly. Diversifying and balancing the portfolio more specifically means, and then when I say the word balancing, I don't mean balancing in the sense of like rebalancing, meaning when you have, if stocks went up, you have to sell some stocks so to get, get it back in balance. It means actually diversifying across different asset classes, meaning diversifying or, or balance, having a somewhat balanced portfolio means having some stocks, some, and again, this could be ETFs, could be in the form of ETFs, but also some fixed income and probably some commodities, you know? And, and this is not talking about your near-term, you know, punting trading portfolio. This is part about, talking about the, the majority, the big part of your portfolio. There's always pockets of risk one should have in a portfolio, but that, I'm not talking about the, I'm not, not, I'm not talking about 80% of your portfolio. I'm talking about a small part. So this brings us back to bonds. Again, right now I'm looking at my screen here and I'm seeing two-year treasury yield about 4.3, 4. it's called like 4.3%. That's pretty juicy right? And so if you are anywhere near 
north of 45 years of age. And, and quite frankly, even if you're younger, it's probably even better then because you're getting an opportunity to buy bonds here and diversify your portfolio, balance your portfolio and build a, a, a portfolio that has that can last and you can easily easily change to the economic environment. And so having yield in your portfolio and creating portfolio income is really, really, really important. Now, I know we've talked about here today, what we've talked about here is different ways of doing that. Again, to summarize where we can do this using options, just making sure we understand that using options and using specifically, specifically the covered call way, you're still exposing yourself to stocks and you're only buying, you're only receiving a little bit of insurance or money or yield to essentially try to hedge your, your portfolio, but you are creating some yield. Just keep that in mind. Um, again, utilities, a great, a great idea. Dividend aristocrats, a great idea, but they are still stocks. So keep that in mind. So to me, a better way to really diversify or, or having a, a more balanced portfolio is to not only look for dividends within the equity space, again, you can use, use ETFs for this or, or, or just in individual equities, but also looking at different fixed income instruments. There's plenty of ETFs that do this. The NOBL ETF has a dividend yield. Again, it's a stock, but also just an ETF, like a TLT ETF, TLT, it's a, it's a bond ETF. SHY ETF, or literally just buying treasuries. And then there's many more other ways in which I don't want to go into right now because it's a long topic, but there are ways of creating dividends with REITs. There are ways of creating dividends even in um, some more fancy way of certain kind of private equity deals and things like that. But long story short, dividends yield income income in a portfolio is important and maybe more important now than it has been for at least 10 to maybe 15, maybe even 20 years. So if you're thinking about having the need for, for income, I think you're thinking it right. Um, you can go to the studytrader.com and sign up there for the free newsletter. So you can get an email every day, but also if you want to talk to us directly, we're happy to go more into a financial advisory hat. We can do that at Blue Marlin Advisors. So go to www.bluemarlinadvisor.com and give us a shout out there. And we're very happy to talk to you, look at your portfolio and see what we, what we might suggest you might be able to do. So I'm hoping this gives me some insight into how uh, to create portfolio income. And more important, this should be thought provoking. It should be thought provoking, particularly if you are looking for income and if you are sort of 45 years plus. I hope this is helpful, folks. And I'll see you guys in the next episode of the Steady Wealth Podcast. Thanks for listening.